Hi, I'm Doyle. And I'm Jordan, and I've got some things to say. And today's a little different because we don't have video here. Um, Doyle and I are actually physically co-located today, which is interesting uh, turn of events. Uh, uh, hopefully we can get some video set up for some of the, the future ones while I'm here. But um, we were trying to come up with uh, the topic to talk about today. Uh, normally, this is it's kind of a you know off the cuff sort of thing that we come up with the topic. It's you know what's what are we thinking about? What's going on uh, out in the world? And how is that making us think about things? How does that raise up our personal philosophies? Um, there's a lot of uh, I think both Doyle and I, and I'll, I'll take the baton to speak for you and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we both think about things a lot in a in a critical way of, you know, what are we doing with the things we're trying to achieve, but also uh, what is going on in the world? Why are those things going on in the world? What does it mean for us individually? What does it mean for society? Not that we're trying to change society, that we're just trying to understand the implications of certain things. Because um, if we don't uh, understand where our if we're walking down the path and we don't understand where that path is going, uh, then we can't know if we're going to end up where we want to be. And so you have to think about things along the entire way uh, to make sure that you end up where you're going to be so you can course correct or whatever. And so um, and we, like I said, it's, it's pretty much impromptu us coming up with topics. Sometimes we plan ahead of time if we have like a multi-part thing. But uh, so we talk a little bit before the podcast to figure out what we're going to talk about. We were doing that today and, um, it really led us to some concerns of some things we were trying to really avoid, I think, with the podcast uh, by intent, and it seem, it's seeming that less and less that can be the case. And so we figured that today we'll just have a conversation about our conversations and kind of see where that takes us as far as, you know, what we'd hope to get from these conversations, what we hope to maybe not necessarily do with these conversations and where we find ourselves and where, you know, re- reassessing that path. Like I said, are we going to end up where we want to be with the podcast? Um, let's think about it in that same manner and, and uh, apply that sort of critical approach, critical thinking approach to life to this podcast. So that's kind of what we're doing here. So that's a long drawn out windy intro as I normally tend to get, uh, when I, I speak. Um, so I'll really just drive to the the heart of the matter of what prompted this conversation today for the podcast, and that is our initial desire when we started this last year to avoid becoming too political. So if you if you go and listen to our first few episodes, they were already pretty political, but um, I think that we did a, a decent enough job at presenting the basically current events that we were talking about then in a light that was uh, philosophical in nature, where we tried to indicate why we felt the way we felt about those events and what in our personal philosophies uh, had us, you know, kind of emotionally charged about it. And, and, and make no mistake, that's why we started this podcast, or at least from my perspective, because we were pretty emotionally charged about those uh, issues, which are still ongoing for the most part. And our, you know, being exacerbated by certain actors. Um, and so the whole idea of trying to avoid it becoming too political was because, and I, and I can only speak for myself why I wanted this, is because I felt that I did not want to be one of those actors that contributed to the division, that contributed to the friction, that contributed to all of that. Um, but as I, for me, again, I'm just purely speaking my perspective and Doyle, I hope that you'll give me the pleasure of your perspective too. Um, it, it, it has been 
frustrating over this past year how much taking that approach of self-censorship in a way of uh, not being political, and again, I don't want to get political, but how that there's a very fine line there between speaking the truth and uh, calling out things that need to be called out and just capitulating right and and at what point do you feel that you're still you're, that, that you're just capitulating versus trying to you know keep the situation uh, on an even keel and focus on the real problems at hand uh, which I, I want to always focus on the real problems at hand whether it's a political discussion or not but I, I feel that we've come to a point where um, our politics in our country maybe even our world but certainly our country of the United States is so it is seems to be increasingly become emotionally charged and less based on rationale and reason that I mean you have to say something and I think that that's the struggle that we find that we're engaging in with right now that you know look some things are are just absolutely ludicrous and you just you you have to point them out and talk about them so um, I think that if we were to engage in any kind of political discussions here, I think that we have to be extremely diligent in our focus and intent at trying to identify the problems, identify the exacerbators to those problems, and identify, uh, more, most importantly, the resolution, potential resolutions to those problems. Because I think that this is my, my biggest problem with the political arena generally is that there's a lot of um, complaining, a lot of fussing, a lot of yelling, a lot of fighting, you know, even if it's just verbal sparring uh, going on. And there's very little, and I mean very little, focus on how do we address the issues that we find People can people love to list issues all day long, but people hate it when they have to get their hands dirty and figure out how to correct those things because it is our responsibility to correct those things. It is no one else's, um, and so that's that's that was my real concern about getting political is because I know my own nature and I know how easy it is for me to get frustrated, how easy it is for me to get incensed and get that fiery emotion running inside of me. And I know that that whenever that happens, it becomes that barrier to reason. It becomes that barrier to clear, critical thinking about the problems at hand. And it becomes so easy to point fingers. It becomes so easy to blame. And I just want to very much avoid that because I don't think that that's productive at all. And in fact, I think that, that not only is that counterproductive, it is also, um, I think, uh, part of the plan of some nefarious uh, actors in all of this to get people that riled up to divide and conquer in that way and i don't want to play into their hands so it's a very again fine line to walk if we were to have such discussions that's kind of i guess an overview of my perspective on it Dole. so wh- sure. what do you think about all that uh, ditto oh, i won't do that <laughs> that uh that <laughs> contrite um I, to go back to the to your your point and your question about you know we've we've attempted to avoid uh, purely political conversations, right? And what we've struggled with, and, and, I, and I think uh, I've struggled with, and I, and I think you probably have too, is that almost everything that we talk about, because it, it typically triggers some uh, thought, emotion within us, uh, finds its way leaning toward the political conversations. 
And and as you say, uh, you know, the, the we're not looking to. That's not what we wanted to do here. We didn't want to cr- be another you know voice that that's on an extreme, right? We wanted to to be voices for people that uh, are everyday people, right? That that have thoughts like us. That they're they are tired of the angst and the and the anger and the fighting that's continually going on, and want to find ways to to compromise where we can compromise in those areas where we can't compromise find ways to tolerate right and because we don't all have to think and be and feel the same right that's the that's the thing and and, and I think my personal philosophy about about politics is I can I can like you I can I can care deeply about you I can love you and still disagree with your politics sure right and and I want people to return that same degree of respect back but I think we're in an, in a, an environment right now we're on both ends, and it's it is treated as though politics are binary, and they're not. Right, you're either this or you're that, and and that's why some of the things that you know, one of the the, the topics that uh, uh, I think we've we talked about previously was uh, uh, silence is is com- complicity, or, or I can't remember the exact phrase. Yeah, I think you made a video on that. Yeah. Uh, and and I disagree with that. Just yeah. because I don't speak up against something does not mean I support it. Correct. And just because I speak up against it doesn't mean I, I won't find a way to work within you know things. But I you know I think individually we're entitled to our personal feelings and. and I think there's another uh, important factor in that uh, matrix uh, that people don't think about too. Uh, just because I speak out against something, that doesn't mean that I agree with everybody who speaks out against that. Exactly. That's a big problem yes. that, that we run into these days where, where like, you know, and it's one of the biggest reasons I don't like the idea of speaking publicly politically because I know that people will be like, oh, you're just like X. Oh, you're just like Z. No, I'm not. I am absolutely not. And I don't agree with that. Probably don't agree with that person. Might not agree with that person. Maybe some I do, but I don't agree with him by virtue of us having that same position on that issue. And, and, and that's, that's sort of the binary thing that Correct. happens that people go, oh, you're automatically... A or, or B or C or whatever, right? And A or B, not C. If it's just trying well, to, well, I mean, multi-finite, right? uh, multi-factor, right? Or but but the, but the reality is, we all live on a spectrum, yeah, right. And and there are many things that we agree about, but what we tend to, I think, we find see now is that that people are more focused on what they disagree about, correct? And that's causing you know the 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 actions and the acting and the belief that we don't agree on anything. Because look at all these things we disagree about, and and I think that's what's missing from the political realm right now. And I mean, I, there are a lot of reasons that I think that that's that, that's the case, and some you mentioned. But I think some of it is is that it feeds on itself, right? Yes. The the actors, the politicians, the and, and you've seen this, and, and we've all seen this. Uh, they as soon as they get elected, they may have great platforms, and they may have great you know, approaches and philosophies and goals and objectives and things they want to accomplish, you know, with a, with a, with a pure heart, a lot of them, but immediately after they get elected, the first thing they start doing is, is planning to get reelected. Right. And rather than focusing all of their energy on serving. And, and I, I had the, the privilege of, of uh, meeting a couple of candidates for our local uh, house of representative race a couple of years ago. Actually it was three of them that were running. And I got to meet them, and one of them I had met previously, and I, I had known him through some other uh, contacts that I'd had. And I asked him, I said, uh, he asked, he said, what can I do for you? You know, sort of playing the, the, the politician role, because he was had been a lifetime politician. He'd served in an elected 
positions for years, uh, you know, locally and, and, and what all. And I, I told him, I said, do this one thing. I said, if you get elected, be a statesman, not a politician. And, and, and I truly meant that with all my heart. I, I, we need more statesmen. We need more people that are willing to go and, and to endeavor for the good of, of, of the greater good rather than their personal good. And, and that's, that's, to me, is, is, is what's so, so horrific about it. Uh, they, they've lost, too many people have lost sight of that. And there are voices, and there are some people on, on both sides of the aisle that I think have, have pure hearts and, and genuine goals and objectives, but they get caught up in the machinery. Of course. And the machinery does not f- support, uh, permit that to be a position of strength or, or a voice to be heard. So a couple things I want to say to what you've said recently, because like I, um, I think the, we're really rapidly approaching a point where you and I have, I think, a pretty stark disagreement. Um and I want to start with something that I'm pretty sure we do agree on because I, I want to help help that illustrate why I have the position that I do. Um, and we've gotten political, so here we are. But um, when you talk about um, when someone gets elected, their first thing isn't how can they help their constituency, basically. It's how can they get reelected. I, I a little bit disagree with that, and I'll tell you why, because I think you do agree with what I think. Um, I think that they absolutely 100% uh, immediately go to work to help their constituency. I think we just don't agree on what their constituency actually is. The constituency is not the people in the district or whatever that they represent. The constituency is the people who donated to their campaign, the people who put them out in, in the light, people who push them forward, all of the, the, the special interests, so we'll use that as a generalizing term, that got them elected, uh, well, they want their, their payback for that. And so they get right to work doing that, absolutely, diligently. It's just that it's always those people that are get, get served, and it's very rarely and, and usually only coincidentally or incidentally when it bumps up against the same interests of those in special interests that the the actual constituency, the people in those districts, get you know served in that way as well. And I so I, I think that that's but that that is also the same thing as them trying to get reelected. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's that. Uh, but then also I want to talk about your, your point of uh, needing a statesman. I think from the idea of the system that we have, that's the only way that it will work. I think though, that it is unrealistic to think that human nature will allow that many people from that disparate of places with that many different cultures because the United States is not a monoculture. And if anybody tries to claim that it is, has never been anywhere outside their hometown. Um, I mean, you have to go very short distance from pretty much anywhere in the country to understand that the United States is not a monoculture. And um, because of that, there are some deeply conflicting values across this country that, uh, perhaps we could compromise on, but I think that any such compromise would amount to uh, non-action or non-coverage or whatever you want to say. It basically n- may amount to literally nothing happening um, or, or an undoing of anything that has happened. Uh, because the only compromise is that, well, let's just not do this because you want it, I don't, et cetera, you know, that, in the simplest formulation. Um, 
But even then, is that a compromise? Because really what happens if you want something and I don't want something, the compromise we get is we get something that is, just doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And the problem is then you create monsters. And that's what our government has been in the habit of doing for, you know, almost forever, but certainly uh, the past century, um, probably even longer than that. Um, and so that's my real problem with this is that I feel that the idea that this system even works at the scale that we're talking about is taking a slightly rose-colored glasses view of the system itself. And I don't say this to say that, you know, uh, we need no system, although that is my position, and I've never, I don't know if I've ever made it that directly clear, is that I am for, you know, privatization of everything, right? I, 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 because the all... I have a strong perspective that all of the ills that everyone wants to pin on, you know, large business that everyone wants to pin on, the ills that people want to pin on government, the ills that people want to pin on, pin on people who are obstinate voters or whatever, um, all spring from the fact that there's something to be upset about, right? If the government's there, then there's something to be upset about. If it's not there, well, then what? You know, it's like it, it, that's the ultimate way to take self-responsibility is to not say that, well, this organization should do it for me. Um, you know, and then people want to say, well, well, I'm taxed. So basically it's just like a company that I'm paying to do it for me. Okay. Well then if that's the case, then why can't I just pick a different one? That's if, if that's how you really feel about it, then all I'm my position is let's just have a, a, a plethora of companies offering this that you can pay your quote unquote tax to and then get the services. And then you can go to whoever's giving you the best service for the best money for the least amount of quote unquote tax. That's the way I think sh things should be. Uh, but everyone, whenever you talk to well, not everyone, many people, when you talk to them about that perspective, they think it's so radical and it's unworkable. And it's like it's literally the same thing that we do right now. Uh, in every other facet of life, except for the things that government provides in a monopolistic fashion. Well, there's there's a great example of how that could work and and should work. And that's the postal, you know, state's <laughs> postal service, right. right? Because the the postmaster general just this week came out and said they're on a death spiral. Well, I mean, yeah, they're they are. financial. It's like they right. say that like every other month or something. Understand? Or every, but you know, it's it's, it's kind of like you know the, <laughs> yeah. the the old phrase you know, and and I used a lot in the corporate. I learned and, and used a lot in the corporate world um, as a way to manage workload. Right? Is you can do a death march once, mm -hmm. then you die. Yeah. Well, the the thing is with the postal service, it's being subsidized by the federal government. Excuse me, by the people of the United States because of their taxes, um, and then you have you have organizations like. You know, Federal Express, FedEx, and and UPS, and there's others, DHL, and, and other, and even it's now, regional carriers. Even too. now, the the the, the Ubers and and, and uh, things like that that are getting into deliveries of sorts. Well, then businesses that are getting efficient enough to do it themselves, like Amazon, not right? That, I mean, oh, not, Amazon, yeah, right. <laughs> not to say that there isn't a lot to critique on all these companies as well, but it's like look at the service you get for the money that you pay, and which which ones give me the the best value. So, so let me ask you a question. Um, you get a lot of packages in the mail, I suspect. Yeah. Any of them come from the Postal Service? Uh, actually, so only to the extent, basically only to the extent that, uh, I, okay, I would say a very, 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 very small percentage will come like priority mail. Very small percentage. Uh, but beyond that, almost all of them are coming through some sort of 
partner service with, with UPS. UPS or FedEx even, right? Uh, I FedEx? We, I didn't know FedEx had a relationship. Yeah, so UPS is, is like called Mail Innovations, and FedEx is called uh, like Custom Solutions. No, not, not Custom Solutions, their own thing. I don't know, but but FedEx has one too where they right. do it. Sort of, sort of the last mile kind of thing in certain right. categories. Right? Yeah, last mile meaning that uh, UPS or FedEx carries it most of the way, and the post, then they drop it off at the post office, and then USPS takes it to your door. Right. They do, do bulk. Items well, right? Um, but that that's a, a prime example of how the inefficiency that is built into a government service, you know. And people go, "Yeah, but it costs fifty two cents for a stamp to mail a letter." No, it doesn't. It costs a lot more than that. That's just what the government subsidizes. <laughs> that's why they're the always raising the postage rates, right? And and, and quite frankly, uh, when I think about what we get in the U.S. mail, if it never, if nothing else ever, if it never showed up again, I, I wouldn't miss much. I mean, there would be certain local bills that, that get mailed that still are, you know, paper that aren't digital, but even those are starting to there's, be yeah, digitized. But there's very little reason for all of that. That's the thing. Is Most like, of it's junk. Correct. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that's one of the biggest revenue sources for USPS is all of the quote-unquote junk mail that they deliver because people pay them to deliver that. But. So, I mean, that sort of supports your point. Um, and, and I'm not sure where you were hit. Oh, maybe the, the the point about where we would be dis, where we would disagree. The the, the, the I think the, the, the way that we would disagree is that I think that um, uh, potentially we would disagree is that I think that is unreasonable to think that any uh, organization larger than you know like a dozen people, if even that large, is going to be able to have a, a not even a totality but a quorum of statesman character people sure. to well, really think, move a, forward. I think there's a, a, a an answer to the fundamental uh, a, a fundamental support of, of your point. And that goes, and this is going to get really political and, and I don't mean it to be, but the I'll whole, the 10th the, the the Amendment, if I'm not mistaken, the oh, state's sure. right. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if the federal government respected that, uh, I think, and allowed states to be more uh, independent and and uh, well, I say allowed. This is crazy to be said. They shouldn't have to be allowed. They are right. Right. And if if the federal government respected that, and 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 I get it how they how they disrespect that is through the the taxation and then the the supplying of that money back to the states as leverage. Right. If you, if you don't, oh, it's blackmail. Yeah, they, it it is. the it states is. are blackmailed into That's right. action or inaction, and so they're addicted to it, right? And right. And, and they begin to to depend on it. And, and like we've seen that this in this pandemic, you know, the, the whole thing about the states, they want the government to the federal government to bail them out, you know, and they don't want to do what they can do. It appears that they don't do they don't take primary accountability to do what needs to be done, and they should be self sufficient. They should be, you know, if they're not, then. You know they should they should take actions to become self sufficient. I think that's a way to to address what you're talking about. And it's still the, it's still a larger group because you know states have millions of people, and so that that sort of exceeds the small thing. And there's even large variations in cultures and subcultures in within states. But I think that would be easier to work toward you know. Uh, acceptable compromises. Correct. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, here, uh, I, I want to expand your uh, identification of the problem because uh, it sounds like, and if I'm mischaracterizing what you just said, please correct me. It sounds like you're saying that um, basically we find ourselves in this position because of a uh, uh, large scale 
uh, ignorance or uh, uh, as I say, ignorance of the Tenth Amendment and states acting independently and and states forgetting maybe is accountable too. What's <laughs> acting that? accountably too? Correct, right? Because because. It, it's a, it's just one large pass the buck is what it seems it, like. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it goes back to, I think, a comment you made uh, earlier in this discussion about people looking to someone else to do something for them. Right. I think, and that's exactly what the states are doing Correct. to a great extent. So, but I want to, I want to, I want to um, flesh out that as being the causal problem or the, the root problem, because I'm not sure if that's the root, because I think there's two other things that um, are at play. And that is, uh, that that I think these two things are more fundamental than the ignorance of the Tenth Amendment because the these two things are uh, what have trapped, for lack of a better term, or maybe snared, let's say, the states into this addiction pattern to what mm-hmm. the government provides, and that is the gross and 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 ultimately it's going to come down to stricter loose constructionism of the Constitution, but it is gross. Uh, misinterpretation and misapplication of the Commerce Clause of the Constitution and the gross interpretation and misapplication of the uh, um, uh, General Welfare Clause in the Constitution. Um, uh, So Commerce Clause is the uh, uh, Congress may pass no act regulating uh, the trade, uh, basically interstate trade, right? You can't regulate interstate trade. uh, and but there's like this except for those the things that there's like a little clause on the end of it that's like um, they can if it's really necessary. That's a really bad way to say it because it, I, I don't remember the exact phrasing. But they stuff everything under that clause and basically they let everything be regulated and, and to, to where we do have de facto interstate trade uh, regulation, like mm-hmm. wholesale interstate trade regulation. Um, and because of that, they use all of those acts that they pass that way to withhold funds, like you were mentioning. And then Title IX is one of the biggest ones, mm-hmm. right? It was, which is funding for schools, um, which is a whole nother can of worms to get into. Um, and, but, one, and one that I want to open up one one day. Because, yeah, no, I'm with you on because, that. Because uh, I have some That's extremely too. strong points of view about the educational system. <laughs> Same. Um, and so, and then the general welfare clause in uh, Congress will provide for the general welfare of the population or whatever. Um, that has really been contorted because um, that, uh, as I understand it, a lot of that was intended to be like, you know, anti famine sort of thing. Like, if people are like starving in the streets and like literally, well, okay, we'll figure out what we can do. That's like, it's like a, a cause of last resort sort of thing. And so, like, we have all of this legislation and all of these laws in this country, all these uh, quote-unquote laws, acts of Congress, we'll say, um, that exceed the length of the Constitution millions of times over. Like, literally millions, maybe billions, but certainly millions of times over um, that we have to follow. And nobody knows the law. So, thus, nobody knows the law. Right. And thus, everybody's always breaking the law because you can find a law. And thus, we're all in this, like... uh, game of there's a loaded gun with the the with the uh hammer cocked right at our heads at all times and so we all have to walk in a straight line because if not then we step out of line then that that hammer's gonna hit the 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 bullet um and and so there's this really bad thing where 
Yeah, okay, so all of these acts of Congress, uh, it does a lot of things that a lot of individual people do like, right? You know, we're talking about things like, uh, certainly, anything post-Woodrow Wilson is just, like, almost abhorrent uh, on its face, but New Deal stuff, uh, you talk about uh, Great Society stuff, which Great Society is, like, uh, welfare and then um, um, Social Security and all that. Um you know, uh, even into stuff in the eighties where like, you know, you, we had like, uh, Oh, I mean, I don't know if this was eighties, maybe in like seventies, but like expansion of social security. And like, uh, there's, there was a lot of like, uh, antagonistic laws, which I think some have been corrected, but certainly not all against like private investment. I want to throw a comment out and interrupt you. Sure, you go. Sure. Go ahead. Social security is not an entitlement. Proceed. Okay, sure. Well, you didn't say that. I, I just no, did that as, as as a point to get out there because that that is it is lumped in with with entitlements and lots of conversations. So, so proceed. It's with not an entitlement program, but it is a program that should be regarded with the same disdain as entitlement programs, in my opinion. The the program itself. The problem is it's such a again it's such a trap because yes. we've all paid into it as people you know who work in. We this were country. made to pay into it. Wasn't correct, option. correct. Coercion. All of this is coercion in my my perspective. Um, but but that again, we can have another conversation right. about that. So my point being is that all of these these two clauses, the general welfare general welfare clause and the interstate commerce clause, um, is are the things that Congress have have used to abuse this country and to put us into basically an, an extended Stockholm syndrome with the government. Um, and some of us love the abuser and, and the, the, or the, um, captor and some of us still hate the captor. Um, and that's the problem is that, uh, in the, and the whole Stockholm situation, Stockholm syndrome situation, that's what happens is that those who are trying to disabuse themselves of their captor, uh, get not attacked by the captor, but get attacked by those who love the captor. Um, and that is exactly the kind of situation I think we find ourselves in. So, um, thus there's very little, uh, desire to exercise 10th amendment rights. That and I think that that combined with the last time that that actually was attempted, uh, albeit for very bad reasons, I will 100% admit and agree, um, led us to a, a civil war that was very terrible. And it's a shame that more people don't truly understand. Yes, slavery. The the the, the issue of slavery was was the state's right that was in in dispute, and but it was it was the state's right. Uh, constitutional difference there that led to that that civil war right and and obviously i think everyone is or should be glad that slavery was was abolished in this country oh, yeah, because totally. it was it was an abhorrent part of our history right uh in the, in this country um but that that's what i think people don't know that out of ignorance they don't understand the constitution and actually there's an organization that is one of its missions is to make sure that every child uh, gets a, a copy of the Constitution, and they actually are having <laughs> nice. adult. They're having adult courses free to, to teach people what the Constitution says because it's a very short document. Oh yes, and and to your point, Congress has uh, mutilated, tried to attempted to mutilate the Constitution with all the legislation and and the, the laws they've put in place. You know, over the years, trying to clarify, and and it didn't. It, it muddied. Uh, uh, circumstances. I, well, I, so again, and this this gets a little bit onto my uh, 
too far political, but my opinion is that they, they're not trying to clarify. They're trying to exercise the control. You're right. You're right. But, but, but they're doing it by an interpretation uh, or trying to stay within the bounds of what someone interprets the constitution, which leads to the, the Supreme court issue of, of, you know, the, how, how the Supreme court justices view the constitution. Are they, you know, uh, literal constructionists or, or uh, I forget what the other term about more uh, was strict inter- construction or loose construction. Right. And, well, I mean, well, then you have in the the real unfortunate thing is that we have the the absolute abhorrent situation like uh, Justice John Marshall, uh, where he actually started the precedent of the Supreme Court judging the constitutionality of acts of Congress. The uh, and uh, and in doing so, he gave he ushered in this idea that uh, a law-minded person can legally contort the words of the Constitution to cover things that they can make it cover as far as acts of Congress. So basically stretching all of this constitution, the loose constructionism of uh, allowing the constitution to quote unquote, allow for things like social security, welfare, uh, uh, all of the green deal, uh, green deal, the new deal. Oh my goodness. I'm getting infected with the, the rhetoric <laughs> of today. The, the new deal, um, legislation. I hope I didn't say green deal earlier. I meant new deal. No. Um, so, um, and, and the sad part about this, and this is going back to that education point, is that um, so few people go, uh, many people go through the United States education system, but so few of them just uh, learn enough of this stuff to even be able to talk about it. Sure. Let alone uh, learn exactly what they're taught, which is usually things that aren't necessarily congruous with the reality of what those pieces of legislation were, what the climate of things was at the time, both politically and socially. And I really learn things divorced of those highly illuminating contexts that are critical to understand the reality of those pieces of legislation. And not only that, to understand how deeply those things have affected our society and how our society has evolved since then. Here's a wormhole. Um, and I think, uh, I think there's, there uh, are some uh, reasons that, uh, are very obvious to me that have led to that. The whole thing about the the, the ill education, if you will, of of the population over the last few generations regarding government, regarding history, uh, and things, and even even uh, social sciences. Uh, but based on the fact that in two or three generations ago. Most free time spent by children were not in mindless things. They were in either reading because that was you know books were not as prevalent prevalently available as as they are today, or or at least access to books. You know I'm talking you know back in in the early part of the 20th century, probably four generations ago now. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, losing count of, of time and generations, um, and, and so. What we're seeing today is, uh, the with the advent of technology, there are more diversions that are out there, more more temptations and diversions that are being partaken by younger and younger kids. So they're they're 
choosing what to consume rather than consuming what's what's been deemed to be put in front of them. Ooh, I, I, don't I, know. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. <laughs> it is what they're consuming now is deemed to be put in front of them. It's intentionally they're competing for the for the minds and and, and eyes and hearts and well. My point being, well, not is, just that, but I'm also talking like algorithms on platforms where, right. like YouTube. I mean, how much is what you see, what you chose, and how much of it is what YouTube wants you to see? Right. But my point being, there's there there are temptations to divert away from from things that might have otherwise been they may may have otherwise been exposed to. But don't all ignore also that whoever published those books, whoever decided those books got published, are they the were ones. slanted. So right. I mean, it, it's a similar problem, but it's just at a larger scale. I think a larger scale and a more rapidly changing. Sure, and 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 a stronger force, right? Okay, because I mean, I don't know about I don't you. know, I don't know. I see I, this. I don't know about this because uh, a stronger force. Th- uh, force isn't what you care about. Pressure is what you care about, right? And so pressure is force over a certain area. When you only have so many options with the same force, that's more pressure. Sure. When you have more options with the same force, then it's less pressure. And I, I that's really my perspective on it, is that this pl- proliferation isn't in and of itself uh, the problem. The problem is the... Uh, the way that that we know how to take advantage of the human mind, and especially the young human mind, and how much we create traps for that. Um, so I, I think your point still stands, but I think it's because of a little bit of a different reason than what you're talking about. Sure, uh, and and I, I certainly uh, embrace and accept you know your your explanation of, of what I was saying, and it may have been a little off target, but but that was my intent was sure, yeah. that, that there's there is more active uh, pressure uh, on uh, to, to move minds a certain way rather than than uh, more to, to divert minds in more certain ways rather than in, in more of a singular way I but here's the thing though uh, correct I agree with that here's the thing this is also a blessing because sure. you have children who are aware enough and have been instructed to be aware enough and are just naturally aware enough to understand that this is trying to manipulate me. And I'm telling you, there are some smart kids that can understand that at a really young age. Well, and it's because it's because it's not like me. Technology really didn't, individual use of technology didn't really uh, strike until I was already an adult. Sure. And and now these children, I mean, most of them before they hit their first birthday, they've touched technology in right. some fashion. Right. So so it's it's more. When you say natu- technology, you mean like computers, etc. Computers, tablets. Yeah. You know, uh, television, cable. You know, I mean, uh, you know, when they didn't have cable. Uh, it was only in the large cities when I was a kid growing up. Yeah. And I didn't live in a large city, <laughs> so we had the three channels that came over the air, four right. channels because one was the the public broadcasting. Um, and then so these kids, it, it is more of of a of a natural way of consuming information, and so they they some to your point are are more in tune to what's going on, but there's others that aren't. And, and my, my my concern, my point is that that group that's not aware, I don't know what the size is, but it's probably a majority of 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 people are uh, more susceptible to being. Uh, led in whatever direction mm-hmm. that these actors oh, sure. choose, no doubt, no and doubt. and and that and that potentially, and this is this is a more political side, and that potentially is creating uh, adding to the, the the division that we started off talking about, right? This of whole thing about political, is. yes, right, and so that's 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 a that's a, a logical uh, component of 
creating and keeping this division in place. But here's but here's the the my point about that. I don't think that is necessarily bad. Okay. And I know you may not agree with that. No, I, I, I'm, like that. I'm, no I don't know. But it, let me tell you why. Yeah, I'll, I'll I hear think, the rationalization. Yeah, so I don't think that's necessarily <clears throat> bad for a couple different reasons. One is not one that's going to make you feel any better about this, so I want to get that out of the way first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, one is because it helps. It's like, uh, do you know you know about the Pareto distribution? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is like 80-20 rule, basically, right. that for uh, you, uh, uh, you get – uh, 80% of the value with 20% of the effort of something. Uh, but it's, uh, this is a sort of a distribution that also appears and Jordan Peterson talks a lot about this, uh, but it appears uh, like almost everywhere in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's been found in like reproduction of like, uh, b- bacteria and like rate reproduction rates with bacteria. Uh, but it's also in like, um, specialization in fields. Right. Uh, you know, and, and it gets really extreme where like the, uh, his example he always uses is like, if you go into an organization, you'll find that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. But then if you look at that 10% of the people, 10% of those people do 90% of that 10%'s work. And it is, it's fractal like that. And so, um, this kind of division like you're talking about with this accelerated division with like social media, newer technologies, et cetera, uh, helps, push that beyond where it could go before because kids do that earlier in life and get to extremes and not just political extremes, but even extremes in things like learning about science, learning about how to do technology, learning about important things that can help humans, right? Learning about business, being an entrepreneur. I mean, you have kids that are younger, 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 calling themselves entrepreneur, knowing what the word entrepreneur is. (laughs) And that's fascinating and amazing and awesome. If you ask me, sure, sure. Um, so it's pushing all of those things that way, and so uh, it's it's helping drive human innovation and human pr- progress in that way. And I think that that's can, can be really wonderful. Obviously, it can also be really sure. bad too. Um, but here's where I think the reason why I think that that's not the problem. I think that the problem again is when people go to these extremes. Let's let's move back into political realm. Let's go into political ideology, and we talk about things like. Uh, extreme uh like marxist views extreme like fascist views even extreme um uh uh social liberal view or not just social liberal but like socialism right where where there's this where socialism's you know a few steps away from communism because there's some people who who identify as a socialist and and want socialist policies but really understand that the ultimate evil of communism is not going to is not going to bring the utopia that it it espouses um, that's their belief anyway. So there's 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 distinction there. There's also distinction on the right where you have uh, uh, right on fascism, but you also have people that that really believe in the idea of corporatocracy, right? Where you, where it's important for government and uh, uh, corporations to be in bed together because they help each other thrive. Um, and then there's the extreme, like more where I'm at, which is that, like you know, uh, government itself is a, is an issue, and we need to, w- we know that we can function without it, and thus we need to find ways to function without it because it's unnecessary monopoly in in the market and, and distorts the free market, etc. And then you have people that say th- that are against the government and stuff as well, more on the left because it's against uh, uh, human nature because there's this we're always at each other and we need a way to figure out how to form society around cooperating with each other. And this is, these are people that are, you know, a little bit, maybe more toward the communistic bent, but they don't want to use 
the force of some entity to force it, right? And that's where the real ills of communism come in is where you use the might of government, you use the might of armies, et cetera, to force certain ways to happen so, or things to happen. So I think that that's ultimately my perspective is that the real problem with all this, I have no problem with all of these ideologies existing, people following them, whatever. I have a problem with there being some sort of handle and lever of power that can be used to be cranked down upon all of these people to say, you must do it this way. Right. That is ultimately the problem. Having the, this huge bifurcation or trifurcation or quadrication or whatever of views, even politically, even ideologically, uh, in and of itself isn't bad. Right. Um, so this is somewhere I think that I disagree a little bit with Jordan Peterson. I, I think that it's fine to have purity of ideology. What it's not is to then feel like you must force that ideology on other people. Right. That's the distinction that I really wish he would draw. But he knows a lot more about humans than I do psychologically and emotionally. So uh, maybe it's not possible for humans to do that at scale. I don't know. But I really think the real problem, the root of the problem, is the mechanism by which people feel like they can control other people. And... Hence, politics creates actors that are fighting to grab the lever. Correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, By uh, any means necessary. Oh, for sure. Because at that point, it's all that. And this is, goes to the, the, the uh, postmodernist idea is that power is all there is, basically. And so that's all that matters is grab the power. Anyway. All right. Well, it sounds like a good place for us to catch our breath. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we, 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 we did a lot of running here. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's been a great conversation. Uh, a lot of points that we can, can pick up and, and, and chase more uh, in detail later. Uh, you know, the educational system, we talked about a little sure. bit about that. We talked about the constitution. We talked about, um, state, well, state rights in the constitution. Uh, we talked about, uh, entitlements and social security. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of, of things on those and even other topics that, that we, we broached that I think would be a good, for us to to expand on and, and and continue down this path of, you know, revealing our perspective on how politics is playing into all of these things, and uh, and I think you just hit hit a big big nail on the head with that the, the lever of power. That's what that's what many many people are fighting for, right? It's, it's very obvious, yeah. and 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 in and of itself, to to use your phrase, that's not necessarily doesn't mean it's always bad, but it's always going to be bad for somebody. Because of that power is going to be forcing things, and if you believe, if you have the similar beliefs of the person grabbing the, the the lever, then you're happy until someone else grabs it, and then you're unhappy. So right. that in and of itself means that's not a a, a an acceptable and or sustainable uh, mode going forward. And to tie this back together with my earlier point, the fact that that is what motivates humans that's the incentive and, and and all of this is a problem of incentives um the fact that that is the incentive for people it means that those who are true statement statesmen will never be able to thrive even if they can make it into that system sure. they will never proliferate and never thrive in that system because a true statesman does not want to grab that lever right that's right that's exactly right uh, that is exactly right. they are they are acting they, they would be acting in a selfless manner and by virtue of grabbing that lever, selfish just in and of itself. Correct. Well, all right, sir. It's a pleasure. Yes. Eyeball always. to eyeball. <laughs> That's even, even, even funner, as they say, in the, in the country. Uh, and so it's it good, good chatting today. Absolutely. Always enjoy the conversation. This was an especially good one, if you ask me. I agree. All right, Dole. Appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you next time. Cool. Later. Bye. All right. See ya.